Well, I think the feeling of self-worth is very important for all of us. That's what holds us back. Worth. When you don't have self-worth, that, you know, I, I probably could do just about anything if I really wanted to. And if I haven't done it, it's because I didn't want to. That's important for us to remember that whatever's going on right now is okay. I'm Lindsay Linton Buck, and you're listening to Women in Wyoming, where I talk with inspiring and influential women around the state and learn about their lives, journeys, and how they got to where they are today. This is Chapter 5, The Cowgirl State. This time, Ann Simpson, a celebrated Wyoming icon whose journey has taken her from her family's farm in Grable, Wyoming, to our nation's capital in Washington, D.C., with her husband, former United States Senator Alan Simpson. I learn about Anne's advocacy work from mental health issues to increasing exposure for art and culture in Wyoming communities to the importance of cultivating self-worth, self-awareness, and living a life of growth and evolution. Here's Anne. We had a few acres, and my father also had property where he raised alfalfa for our horses. And we had horses and a cow and occasionally had 4-H animals pigs and lambs, and and uh, it was a very carefree life. Growing up really on a farm in the country and in rural Wyoming, did you ever imagine when you were a little girl having a life outside of your small town? No. I, I actually, I really didn't have any vision of how my life would be. It just sort of evolved. I was a hyperactive child, and my sister was very calm. So I was often the one that was asked to go. My mother asked my father if he would take me with him to the garden, keep me busy. The biggest thing that happened in our lives was my father developed a brain tumor and died very quickly. He had been nursing it for some time without telling my mother. And I was just starting my junior year of high school. And my mother had a very difficult time because it was such a shock, and she was 47 years old, and to suddenly be left with animals to care for and three children to support. And then my mother decided to move us all to Laramie, where my brother was a student, then went on, and my mother became a house mother at the university in Hoyt Hall, and my sister and I lived in the dorm. And fortunately, the dean of women was so touched by the fact that my mother was raising three children at the university that our, she made it possible for our dorm to be free. And it was there that I, we were challenged a bit. Grable High School had been an easy thing. I was a good student and didn't work hard. And they made me work harder in Laramie. At this point in your life, did you start to have thoughts on where you might want to go, or was it still just very much being where you were at the time? We were where we were. And at that point, I had thought that I wanted to be an interior designer. I had always been very interested in houses and decorating, and they really didn't have a program. So they put me in art, and I was not an artist, and then... I think then I went to home economics, and that didn't work out. So finally, I 
transferred into the education department and became a third grade teacher, which I was a good teacher and enjoyed that, although I only taught full time for one year. Right, because then you met your man, your, man, your husband. Right. So tell me about tell Well, me about I had a very serious relationship with a boy from Chicago by the time I was a sophomore. It lasted for a year, and at one point I really would have married him in a moment. But it was not a good fit. In my junior year, he went home, and I took a course called Marriage and the Family, a sociology course. It turned out to be one of the most influential things in my life. What do you remember about that course standing Uh, out even to this day? Even to this day, that I probably should have majored in sociology and human behavior and made some life decisions that while this fellow was gone, I decided he was all wrong for me, that that's not what I wanted in my life. And by the time he came back, I ended it. And for about the rest of the year, I really didn't, date anyone seriously. Self-reflection time, I read a great deal. And uh, Al and I had been friends and had dated occasionally, and I realized that this was someone I'd like to wake up in the morning with and have breakfast with, although we rarely eat breakfast together. (laughs) My father always said, marry someone you'd like to have breakfast with every day. And the irony is that we rarely eat breakfast together. Well, you do a lot of, uh, you've done everything else in life <laughs> yes, together. Yes, we have. I was ready. What I was looking for, and it was someone with a sense of value and that Al had, and it was just a good fit. Then Al's father was campaigning for governor. And that was a fabulous experience mm-hmm. because I learned that if you extend yourself to people, people respond. Everyone's ma- waiting for someone to make the first step. So was that the first time you had been exposed to politics? When yes, absolutely. With Al's we father's were a campaign. non-political family. Mm-hmm. My parents, I think, would have referred to themselves as independents. What do you remember in that moment for you? Were you was it like, hmm, I could see myself in this world? I, not at all. I didn't even think about that because that didn't occur to me. And Al never talked about goals, what his long-term goal was. His goal was to be an attorney practicing in Wyoming. A few years after you graduated, you both moved to Germany, where he was stationed. Tell me about that experience. Well, that was just a wonderful experience. Unfortunately, Al was hated the Army, but we traveled ourselves, took a couple weeks leave and drove to Italy, and and it was just an eye-opener for me. I studied German while I was there and could get along passably. A conversation was not something I was adept at, <laughs> but it was just a, my my life unfolded. When you came back, what, was, what do you think about that experience stayed with you? Uh, what stayed with me was that it had been such a life changer for me. I wanted to make it possible for other people. And I started the first American field service exchange program in Wyoming. It didn't last. We had it for about three years in Cody because the requirements were much more stringent than the rotary exchange. You had to have a student for 11 months. And for a town that is a tourist town, 
and worn out guests by the end of the summer to ask people to take someone for a year into there was a little difficult and you had to be a certain age and but it that was a great experience, and we had three different exchange students live with us. And your goal with that program was to sort of bring the world to Cody, or tell me what... what... To uh, make it possible for Cody students to go on the uh, program and to bring other students to Cody from other countries to expose kids to, to other cultures. You had a really transformative experience about 10 years in your marriage where you and Al sought counseling. Tell me about that experience. We were very fortunate in our young married lives that at that stage was a period that I was really trying to be perfect and do everything in the community. And and I found I was feeling quite empty. And fortunately, through our church, our minister came. He had been to the national training labs in Bethel, Maine, and had made some personal breakthroughs. And when he came back, he he came to visit me and was asking how things were going. And I said beautifully as I burst into tears. And he said, well, it doesn't seem as though maybe it's so perfect. And I knew I needed some help but I didn't trust anyone enough. But I did trust him. And he shared with me what had happened for him and that he wanted to start a group on Sunday evenings of couples. You couldn't go unless you came as a couple because if one person grew and the other one didn't, you were in trouble. And how did, how did Al respond to that oh, when you told him you wanted to go to counseling? Oh, he came kicking and screaming. And I said, listen, I've been to a lot of rallies and things that I really didn't want to go, but this is very important to me. So he came. And we had probably hundreds of hours of almost therapy. And it was the most important thing that happened in our lives. Mm-hmm. It changed us. What do you think was the the most impactful piece of that for you both that changed your marriage from that point forward? Well, I think uh, we had thought we were very open, but we became much more open with each other and worked with someone we trusted. Addressing it head on, it was very important. And I, you know, whenever anyone said, how have you ever been married 64 years? I say, well, my advice to anyone is if you're having trouble, get help. Don't try to solve it yourself because you just get in deeper and deeper. So you mentioned that Al, he he never really alluded to having political ambitions when you first got together, but obviously that has been a huge part of your lives together. So when did that shift? Well, when, we, when you came back to uh, Cody to practice law, our idea was to contribute as much as we possibly could to the community. We became very involved. We just both wanted to give back because we felt we'd had such fortunate lives. And Alice naturally asked to serve on boards and committees, and it it really just sort of evolved. The move to the legislature was just a natural thing. What was it like when you moved to Washington? Well, Al's father had been in the Senate, and we had visited, so we had some pretty clear idea of what was involved. It was a large group that year. And we all became friends, Republicans and Democrats, and that lasted always. 
throughout. And Al and I have never been terribly partisan. So we developed friends on both sides. Now, was it around this time you started becoming very involved as a mental health advocate when you were in Washington? Um, or? My niece was mentally ill, and it had been a long time before we could accept what the diagnosis was. And we were able, through uh, Nancy Domenici of New Mexico, had two children with schizophrenia. She was very involved in the Alliance for the Mentally Ill. So she referred me to them so we could have information so that we all could understand what was going on with my niece, who dealt with schizophrenia for 20 years, starting at about 18, and finally she took her life. But after she was gone, I was able to discuss it. And Nancy, she talked me into being the co-chairman of the Congressional Wives Mental Health Group with Tipper Gore, because Tipper's mother dealt with mental illness. And we had seminars and speakers, and I became the moderator on many occasions. So I was pushed into new situations, which I found very rewarding. And one of our speakers had been a woman named Sally Smith, who headed a school called the Lab School of Washington for children with dyslexia. And I was so impressed with her comments that she asked if I would like to tour the school. It's a school that operates all on the arts, music and art. But she became a very close friend of mine and asked if I would be on the board. And that was one of the most rewarding experiences I ever had. Not only learning about dyslexia, but working with the parents. And so that became that and the mental health were two of my most valuable things. And I was very active in real estate because we had three children in college by then. I was able to pay for that. And that I've always been very thrifty, did not like being in debt. And I've because I was selling real estate, I was very busy. And at that time, you know, we were on the go 18 hours a day. I would go home in the afternoon, go through the mail, take a 15-minute nap, and go back in to meet Al for a function. And you found that you really could deal with just about anything. One of the other things you started when you came back I believe, is when you when you started the Artmobile, Van Simpson Artmobile. That was while I was still in Washington. Okay. I was asked, but, you know, we, when we left Washington, we went to Harvard. But when I was in Washington, because of Al's position, I was asked to be on a brand new board, which was the Art Museum board. I've always been interested in art at the University of Wyoming. And so I joined and became a an enthusiastic supporter and very involved in it. While I was there, they really wanted to raise funds for acquisitions, which I said, you know, that doesn't sound like a good project to me because we are not exactly in the center of the state. I think we need an outreach. After campaigning door to door and seeing the isolation in some of the areas, I felt it was very important to have an outreach and I proposed an art mobile that would take art 
and set up exhibits in schools. Well, they were very enthusiastic, so they made me chairman of the fundraising. So that was my project. I took that back to Washington and contacted lobbyists who did business with Wyoming companies only. And I used Al's position. I would call and say, this is Senator Simpson's wife, and may I speak to so-and-so? And they responded right away, of course. And many of these men were from, they were almost all men, uh, were from small towns themselves and knew that they had not been exposed to art. So within a few months, we had enough money for an art mobile. Right, and that art mobile is still in it's a, still, it's going, still going, and they named it after me. And it's it's wonderful. I had a chance to see it a couple of summers ago, and it is fulfilling your mission of exposure, sharing a bit of the world and art and culture with places in Wyoming that would normally maybe not have access to that. And Montana started an art mobile in Oklahoma because I've worked with people. My goal had been to try to get somebody that had untold wealth like Bill Gates to uh, sponsor them all throughout the United States, like the Carnegie Libraries, and they'd be called the Gates Mobile. But he already had, he was into health issues. So I haven't found anyone yet, although I've never really given up my dream on that. Yeah, Maybe right. it's the right time now. Yeah, it might be because it is so important. Art is so important. It expands your mind and your outreach. Well, and speaking of art, you're known for your very elegant style. We're sitting here in one of your real estate properties that's beautiful and just filled with everywhere you look. It's an artful object. Has that always been something that even as a little girl, you were drawn to, or have you cultivated that? Well, sense my of mother art and was very creative that way, and my aunt. And that was my interest, you know. Was, uh, I think we took the American Home magazine, and oh, I poured over that. And I was a big Frank Lloyd Wright fan. I had magazines and things. That was always my interest. And our little house in Washington was furnished with mid level antiques that I I spent a great deal of time at auctions in Washington. I love them. Well, I know one of your passions is being thrifty. It's not yeah. it's it's cultivating the sense of style and beauty and art but not spending No, a that's fortune. right. Well, yeah. I grew up as a post-depression child, so uh, thrift is a big thing and a bargain is great fun. Tell me about where you're at in life now. And when you look at the common thread throughout all of your experiences in your life, what has been that one maybe underlying thread that's tied everything together? Well, I think the feeling of self-worth is very important for all of us. That's what holds us back. Right. When you don't have self-worth, that, you know, I, I probably could do just about anything if I really wanted to. And if I haven't done it, it's because I didn't want to. That's important for us to remember that whatever's going on right now is okay. You're, you're known for having this very strong presence and self-confidence. Was that something that you remember having as a little girl? Yes, I did. I, I always did, and it was difficult. I was would have been considered a difficult child, maybe. I remember that people were often mad at me. I was headstrong and just did what I... Thought was right. 
What has been the biggest lesson you've learned about yourself in this life? Well, that if I really wanted to do something, I would have done it. That life is, you know, is to make the most of what you have done and to let go of regret. And I, I think, you know, there's just a lot of wise people around. And, and I think that that's the goal with all of us is to gain wisdom about ourselves and life that we just are constantly evolving and with the goal to be a richer person so and aware aware is a big word of mine self-awareness well i feel like you've realized that evolution well i am working on it <laughs> <laughs> cheers to that yeah yeah and i think you are an amazing young woman thank you so i think you you've evolved very nicely already thank you. Thank you. I think that's what we're here to do. That's what we're here to do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the important thing for our children to be taught that. That was Anne Simpson. To see Anne's full profile and portraits, visit womeninwyoming.com. That's womeninwyoming.com. You can also follow my journey on Instagram at Women in Wyo, that's Women in W-Y-O, or on Facebook at Women in Wyoming. Chapter 5 is supported in part by the Equipoise Fund. Momentum is our nonprofit fiscal partner. Additional funding for the Women in Wyoming exhibit comes from Linton Properties and Big R Ranch and Home. The remainder of Chapter 5 will launch in 2020. In the meantime, nominate a subject by visiting womeninwyoming.com. The Women in Wyoming Multimedia Exhibit is on view from October 25th, 2019 to August 2nd, 2020 at the Buffalo Bill Center of the West in Cody, Wyoming. The exhibit features large-scale portraits and audio soundscape and interactive components celebrating the achievements, power, and learned wisdom of Wyoming women today. I'm Lindsay Linton-Buck, and you've been listening to Women in Wyoming. Women in Wyoming.